This episode of Unbothered by Tyra Vera is dedicated to the memory of Bruce Jingle's mother, a.k.a. Miss Stephanie. Here, take your bone. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute, because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Tyra Vera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Tyra Vera. I'm your host, Tyra Vera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. Snoopy Bijou is currently having a steak bone because I made a steak tonight. So instead of having a Whimsy's alligator, Whimsy's the never-to-be-sponsor of Unbothered by Tyra Vera, but we still give him a shout any. <clears throat> Why can't I talk? But we still give them a shout out anyway, and we still put our Amazon affiliates link to Whimsy's Alligators down below in the description box. So yeah, um, I kind of had a different plan on what I wanted to talk about. I don't know exactly what direction this one's going to take. As I said at the beginning, I had my good friend Bruce Jingles, who is mother. He's, you know, always talked about his mother. She's always been in his act. He's very close with his mother, lives with his mother, lived with his mother. Uh, he came home from Arizona where he had been doing some shows and he found out that his mother had passed. Well, he found his mother. And then another friend of mine, an unbothered listener, a botherina, you could say, uh, if I read correctly, uh, Dylan Collins had his mother pass away today as well. So when you think about things in that context, you really think your problems aren't that big, even if people have been getting on your nerves and there's stuff you want to talk about. You know, it's like... I get annoyed with certain things, mainly because when it comes to me and stand-up comedy, especially in this particular city, when I'm in Las Vegas... I want my influence to be a positive one. That's what I want. And a lot of what's happened in the last couple of months really has been people misreading my intentions. You know, like if you go back to the Brunchies couple and when I was getting into it with them, my original way that I messed up with them was I wanted to mend the fence between them and another friend of mine named Ryan. And that's where that came from. Then all of a sudden I became public enemy number one as far as those two went. And I was just like, well, I was just really hoping you guys could be friends so that, you know, there could be more harmony on the scene in general. That's what I, that's the way I saw it. My intention wasn't to start any drama. And when I have those conversations with people, I don't come at people in a way where it's like, this is what you need to do or I don't even try to persuade them to do anything. I just ask them if they're open to possibly, you know, giving somebody a second chance and then I could possibly facilitate that. And that really was my intention with them. I have no reason to lie when it comes to that because there's nothing to lose no matter what when it comes to those two. They're a non-issue. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but they just don't affect anything. So, you know, when that's your intention... And then a bunch of stuff starts because somebody's online bullying a Latina that happens to be a mother and puts her arrest record on a public comedy group where it's like those don't explain what's really going on, you know, because charges aren't meant to tell stories. So it doesn't really explain what's going on. And I just felt like this woman should be able to live her life. And that's always... My way of thinking about it. When I talked about my situation with tricks, that was from joke stealing. And that's something that we all agree. We all work off of intellectual property when it comes to stand up. So if we're saying that that doesn't matter anymore or that intellectual property isn't a thing that we're allowed to be protective of, I don't really know what stand up comedy is supposed to be. I don't really know what honor system we've all been working off of all these years if it wasn't to avoid taking other people's jokes or to make that a rule that people just don't take each other's jokes. And as I've said before, when it comes to me, I don't really have to worry about that as much as other people do because I write new stuff all the time. There's always new stuff coming from me. So when I called it out, yeah, I was very frustrated because of my jokes in particular, but I also knew that that would 
make it easier for people moving forward, especially since Trix has the reputation for doing that. So uh, that would make it easier for other comics that maybe don't, because if you don't know, that was the big problem with Carlos Mencia, or the reason a lot of people really hate Carlos Mencia. Carlos Mencia became known as a joke thief, but what a lot of people didn't respect from him is when you're at the open mics, and this is something anybody that's ever done an open mic or done stand-up will tell you, there's always guys that really don't, and girls, you know, <laughs> comics, that don't have a lot of material. So then when you have somebody take the one thing that they do have away from them and now they have nothing because a bigger comic decided to steal their joke, now they really do have nothing. And you could say that maybe they should become a better writer. And that could be true, but at the same time, does that mean you should be able to steal from them? You know, if you think about it in like more of a material context, if somebody's poor, does that mean that it's okay for you to steal the one good thing that they have because they don't have anything that's good anyway? That's the kind of thing that I wonder when it comes to that kind of thing. And so I really haven't ever tried to start anything. There's a guy that continuously talks about me, and his name's Adam Dominguez. And to tell you the truth, I don't really think me and Adam Dominguez should have a problem. Yeah, I don't like him. I don't want to be around him. But to me, that doesn't have to be drama. What happened was we went on the road at a point. He was very unprofessional. And I was annoyed by the end of that trip. Well, technically, I was annoyed at the beginning of that trip when the thing that I had asked any comedian have if they're going to take me on the road or go on the road with me in their car is that they have reliable transportation. Because one of the things that happens when you're a newer comic is if you want to get on the road, then a comic that's been around a little bit more like myself will be like, okay, I don't feel like driving my car. I don't feel like putting more miles on my car. So let's see if I can find somebody that can A, do the job, and B, has reliable transportation. So... There were several little things that I could point out that annoyed me along the way and that were just literally unprofessional behavior. That's just the best way I can put it. You know, I could go into specifics asking me what other comedians made to headline at a particular club that I work, asking me what I make to headline. And that's such a weird question to ask anyway. When comics ask that, I feel like they don't really understand how headlining works. Because depending on how much of a draw somebody is, or in regular people terms, how popular somebody is, then they'll usually get money, more money than people that aren't as popular because the expectation is that they're going to fill some seats. So if you're going to be able to fill some seats, if you're going to be able to sell some seats, then you're going to make more than somebody that the club looks at as that they're going to have to do most of the push when it comes to the promotion. So it doesn't really make sense that anybody would ask that. And I don't care that they asked me one time because Adam had brought a friend with him named George White, who's a complete non-issue, doesn't even live in Las Vegas anymore, still talks about me for some reason. And like one thing I don't like is the phrasing that people use because I saw George had said somewhere that he had to walk on eggshells around me. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't even have to be there. Technically, I didn't even invite you to go. What happened was Adam said his car took a shit and I was very clear in the email about not dealing with unreliable transportation. That was a very big thing for me because I knew I was coming off a ridiculously, which for me ridiculously long was I think I was gone for 14 days and I had just come off the road and I wanted to make sure that it was going to be reliable transportation because you, I, at this point in my life, I don't want to have those problems. I'm not an open micer. This isn't my first time on the road. Like I said, I was trying to save miles on my car, which my car isn't a lease, so it wasn't like I had to worry about it from that aspect. But I just was not trying to put that many miles on my car. And also, if I could avoid driving a little bit more, you know, because if somebody else takes their car then and you have, you know, another person, then it's going to split up the driving so I don't have to do it all on my own. But really, I wasn't in a tough spot where it's like, just get me there any way you can. You know, I don't care what car. In those circumstances, if something goes wrong, then that's what it is. But the car broke down before we even got to the first gig and we were supposed to do two gigs in two nights. And... For me, yeah, I did get very annoyed at that point because it's like, why am I 
in a Walmart parking lot right now before the gig that I'm supposed to do. And people could say I'm being a diva, but it's like, no, I wasn't being a diva at all. If I say reliable transportation and ask you if it's reliable in message just to make sure, and you say it's reliable, I expect it to be reliable, you know? And you could say accidents happen or because the catalytic converter went out. And if you know how that works, it's on the bottom of the car and it can easily get scraped if, you know, you have too heavy of a person. Turned out that that comedian had taken a really big comedian, size-wise, heavy, fat, however you want to put it, comedian on the road before. And that comedian's weight had caused... <laughs> the catalytic converter to get messed up and so now this turns from me being able to sleep in the next day when we wake up and you know the way that the road was supposed to work out originally on that trip has now been changed to I've got to go with them I think I used my AAA to get us the tow truck so if I was being an asshole uh, then I wouldn't have done that um, then there was also the fact that we had to wait at a coffee house for the car to be ready. And this just isn't where I'm at anymore. And that's not where I want to go back to. Like you're not, once you get somewhere in life and especially in stand up, because it's so hard to get anywhere in stand up. But once you get to where you're like, okay, I don't have to deal with unreliable transportation. It's just not something you want to deal with. And it's not unprofessional for me to ask that if I ask for reliable transportation, you show up with reliable transportation. And just on looking on the, at the car, you could tell it wasn't new. And I was still trying to be non-judgmental. And there was a part of me that felt like, well, they're newer comics and they're trying to figure it out so I can be somewhat understanding and not be like, ew, I'm not getting in that car. But there was a part of me that felt that way and not because of the way that it looked. I mean, it was clean enough. It wasn't whatever. It was clean enough. But at the same time, I knew by looking at it that it wasn't a new car. But if you say she's seaworthy, she's seaworthy. Let's crack the champagne and get on the road. And then before we even get to the gig, we end up stuck in a Walmart parking lot and then we have to figure out the plan for the next day. And the car, I believe, was a Volvo, but I can't remember 100%. I know we had to go, maybe it was a Volkswagen, but we had to go to a particular shop. I think it was a Volkswagen. Uh, we had to go to a particular shop for it in the Bay Area because that's kind of where we were, San Jose. Yeah, so not necessarily the Bay, but, well, Sacramento, I believe, is where we were. And so, you know, I was being a sport through all of this. Yeah, there were point, points where I was frustrated, but that's just because I, I didn't, I felt like I was stuck in a nightmare situation. And then I've got this annoying guy, which is Adam Dominguez, that just keeps yapping about, I don't know what, like, because he's one of those personalities that just feels like he has to talk all the time. And I don't really know where that comes from. I'm not that type of person. Anybody that's been on the road with me will tell you that we can go for long stretches not angry, just not talking. You know, it's like I'm used to that. That's the kind of people I try to date. If I can be in a room with you and you're reading and I'm watching something on my computer or editing something or writing something, to me that's a perfect relationship. If I can be left alone for a little while and we can stay out of each other's space, for me that's the ideal situation. The people that have to yap all the time, I just don't understand. I feel like why are you still talking? Like, what is there to talk about after a certain point? But Adam is one of these people that just has to be talking the whole time. We tried to record an episode on, of Unbothered. For some reason, he thought that we were on a level where he would even lightweight roast me. And I just felt like, yeah, you're not funny enough to roast anybody. That's one thing. And the second thing, which is more important to me, is you've got me stuck at a coffee house that I shouldn't be at right now waiting for a car to get fixed on the reliable transportation that you were supposed to bring with you. And then on top of that, I priced out getting a rental car because I was like, maybe I'm going to have to ditch this whole situation and just make sure I get home. And then I re like that wasn't going to be expensive at all. 
And I would have been within my rights to either tell them to take me to the rental car place or just take an Uber and take it as a loss, which is something I considered. But I didn't want to be that kind of person. I was like, I'm with them for this trip. I'm going to stay with them for this trip. So then the the details of the trip from the beginning were once we were done with the second show, which I believe was on a Friday night, then we were just going to head home immediately after the show. Well, there was a point where Adam asked if we can stay the night. And I'm like, no, that wasn't the plan from the beginning. That wasn't the plan from when I booked you. I told you we had a hotel for both nights, but we were going to come home right after. That's something I always do as well. And if comics don't want to come because they don't like that I like to leave in the middle of the night, then don't come. But that's the way that it works. And I don't even expect anybody to drive because I'm a night person. So I'll just drive us home through the night. George, the driver, who also was a comic and got stage time, was insistent on driving so it's like okay then let's go uh there was also a situation where there was supposed to be only two of us from my crew on the last show adam wasn't supposed to be on the last show ends up basically begging for a spot from the guy and then tells me like you know he just asked me if i you told him you're a comic you possibly wanted some stage time and that's what really happened there you know it wasn't just he got offered out of nowhere that's not even the way shows work so you know I was cool about that he mentions I'm gay we're not even in a town or a city it's not even incorporated it's like I think it's listed in the census as a municipality because we had looked it up and so like, you know, like telling the audience that I'm gay before I go on stage. One, you're not supposed to mention anything about the headliner before they go on stage. I used to, I've toured with comics where everybody knows what their thing is. You know, like Joe Coy is half white and half Filipino. I would not ever in my set be like, well, your headliner's half white and half Filipino. And especially when it comes to something like gay, because when you're in these smaller towns, a lot of times the way that you set that up, the way that you say that will change the comfort level of the audience. Uh, it, it, if they just hear you're gay, then automatically, especially in this day and age, this was two years ago to tell you the truth. And the only reason any of this comes up is because Adam always makes it seem to other people like I was dramatic with him. And then he'll bring that up a lot. And then when I say something about it, you know, because I let it slide a lot. Technically, he's talked a lot about me a lot more than I've ever talked about him. And I don't know why that is. So anyway, so uh, this was two years ago. And, you know, the way that it works with LGBT, because there's so many rules to LGBT, which is one of the things that I address in my set and how kind of unrelatable it's become in certain ways because of the media, it will make the audience put up their wall and be like, OK, so I guess this guy's going to lecture us about gay rights and whatever, else, which isn't what I do. So that annoyed me because, you know, even if you take gay away, you're just not supposed to at all impede on what it is the headliner is going to do when you know what the headliner is going to do or part of what the headliner is going to do. So that got on my nerves. There were just so many places that, you know, when we're on our way home and the driver, because now the car is quote unquote fixed, but it's still smoking and we've got to get out of there you know, because I'm ready to go home after the show like we had discussed, but you, for some reason, try to even kind of argue with me about us going to leave. It's like we're not on this trip together that way. Like, I'm the headliner. I let you know before you accepted the job that we were going to leave at the end of the night, and now you're trying to make a thing about that, and I don't know why that's a thing. But anyway, we're on the road, and it starts raining, and it's raining pretty good, but it turns out that the car's tires are so bald that we can't drive in the rain. I'm feeling it literally fishtailing, and I was going to let him just take his chances and either kill us or let us live, however it played out, but, you know, because George was driving. That was George's car, like I said, and the car's fishtailing all over the place, and he's finally like, we got to pull over. The You know, the tires are bald, and it's like, well, why would you go on the road with bald tires? I mean, were you just hoping that weather conditions would be clear and we wouldn't get a blowout? Because 
the tread has to be your tires have to be bald to be slipping and sliding all over the road like that. Like I had just come off a run where I was like Oregon, Washington, everywhere that was like Pacific Northwest, Northwest. And it was one of those situations where it's like we just drove through all sorts of conditions in a car. It was a rental car. So, of course, it had brand new tires. But we drove through rain, sleet, snow. We were like the goddamn post office. So I know that this isn't just the way tires work and that any tires. There were plenty of cars driving around us at a regular rate of speed. We had to completely pull off the freeway and wait on a, at a gas station. And I was ready to be home because, like I said, I had just come off that ridiculously long run. And now I'm ready to do these two gigs and go back home immediately after and just relax, you know, until the next time I had to be on the road. I, I know I had other shows that I had to do. And so there was that as well. I think that's when I originally did the Vegas Valley Winery here was the day that I came back. So then all of this would have still been fine because what happened was we get to about the Luxor. So like, you know, the uh, south, south end of the strip. And this car is really clunking out now. And so we have to pull over again and at that point that's when I was with my ex and so I had messaged my ex to pick me up to the Luxor we ended up stopping at the Luxor because the car wouldn't go any further and the car literally took a shit and I asked them if they wanted me to call AAA for them again I could possibly get them another tow they said no thank you now if I were being a dick or I had hard feelings then I wouldn't have offered to try to get them a tow truck, you know, to get their car wherever it needed to go. But I offered that. But then also I made sure that my ex at the time, my current was on his way to pick me up because at that point I felt like, yeah, I'm done being stuck. I'm not going to be stuck twice in two days, especially in the city that I'm actually supposed to be in where I can have somebody pick me up. Like this is as far as we need to go together. So just let me take off so like I said I made the offer though like there's no hard feelings but just I need to get out of here now I'm done with this situation and there was a point when this all first happened where I was in the bathroom of the hotel and I just lost it while I was talking to the guy that I was dating and I didn't lose it to him in any way I just was frustrated with the situation because it's like how is it I'm stuck in this position at this point in my life and that's really the way I felt about it but Keep in mind, all of this could have just stayed personal in between us. As far as I went, none of this had to be an issue. Um, you know, it could have just been like uh, it just something that happened when we were on the road and I would have been OK with that. Things happen when you're on the road. So then like two days later, I get another call from a friend that has a podcast and he was like, hey, I just want to give you the heads up. They talked about you on my podcast and I was like, what did they say? And then I listened and they misrepresented the situation. The two of them went on this podcast and made it sound like I was just mad at them for no reason. And I was just like I said that, you know, they had to walk on eggshells. And it's like, no, that's not what happened at all. You guys were continuously disrespectful while we were on the road and unprofessional. Now, take everything else out of it. Even if you just take it to you were responsible for making sure we had reliable transportation and the car ended up breaking down not once but twice and us having to pull off on the side of the freeway because the tires were too bald to be in rainy conditions. All of that right there is putting me in a bad enough position. So how is it you have the nerve to be mad at me about anything. How why would you think that that makes any kind of sense at all? I mean like I didn't do anything abusive with either of them. Technically on the way home when it was Adam asleep in the back and it was just me and George, I explained to him what it was that was so frustrating and the different ways that they can correct it for the next time they go on the road. 
if I wasn't trying to be helpful, I wouldn't have told him that. And I didn't tell him in a scolding way at all. When I talked to George about that, it was very low tone. And at that point, I was decompressing and just like, these are the things that you have to know and the reasons that sometimes comics will make certain requests. And then people will later complain that headliners don't like to take different people on the road. But then this is the reason that people don't like to take other people on the road or new people on the road. Because when you do that, and then you end up suffering a punishment from it, there's no incentive anymore to take anybody on the road. At that point, I feel like, well, I might as well just take or use local talent and let the club book or let the booker pick somebody, and then this is out of my hands, and it's not something I have to think about anymore. But every time my name gets brought up and Adam has a chance to quote unquote, throw me under the bus. There he is. Tyra Vera's dramatic. No, me and you didn't have any drama. We didn't have any drama. You were unprofessional. I addressed that with you. Like anybody you're working for or working with is going to. And then I was nice to you on the way out. And I would have continued to be nice to you. Had you not gone on a podcast and tried to misrepresent it and make it seem like, I was just being unreasonable the entire trip. There was nothing unreasonable about my behavior. And the main reason that there was nothing unreasonable about my behavior was because I just wanted to knock that trip out. I was going to try to put more gigs with that particular two shows that we were doing. But at last minute, I decided not to because I was like, I just have been on the road so much and I just want to go bang this out and go back home and relax. And I knew that I had other stuff coming up. I had China coming up. You know, that was like maybe a week or two before I left for China that time. So for me, I feel like I had enough that I was being forgiving about. And then not only did you go on a podcast, but now two years later, you still bring it up like it was just some kind of drama and you haven't learned that you really did mess up in that particular situation. And there's nothing wrong. I don't know why it is all these adults that I'm running into here in Vegas have problems just accepting that sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes uh, the only thing you owe the other person is an apology and just to leave it alone, not to make it bigger, not to try to make it seem like you were the victim in some way, just to one-on-one -on -one hey, I'm sorry this didn't work out the way we planned it or I'm sorry it didn't turn out to be reliable transportation. I thought it was reliable transportation. Even that would have been fine and it just would have been done. But then you go on a podcast and talk about me and then afterwards you try to hug me when you see me like we're friends and I'm like, no, you misrepresented the situation. Now, if it had just been a straight up description of what had happened, what happened, it happened. And I still would have been like, all right, I don't really know why you're bringing that up because that's a bad commercial for you. But if it had just been a blow by blow, no pun intended, account of what happened on the road, then I would have been like, okay, that's whatever. I don't care. But that's not what happened. So it just gets very frustrating to me that this person talks about me. And there was a part of me that was thinking about just burning everything down around that person. And I mean that in a figurative sense, of course. I wasn't going to go burn down any property or anything like that. I mean, like, you know, everything that that person has going, I thought about just setting a domino effect. But then I knew that would hurt a small business. I knew it would hurt a black comic that... I like I don't know if you guys know the way comedy works, but it's just like everything else. A lot of stuff is run by white people. So you try not to hurt people of color because we get so few opportunities in the first place. So if a black man has his foot in the door, I'm not going to try to mess with that. We just came off of a shutdown. So there's a small business that could have got hurt in what could have been the course of action but I decided that I don't want to hurt somebody's livelihood because somebody else doesn't know that every once in a while it's okay to just shut your mouth. It's okay to just let things go sometimes when the other, especially when the other person hadn't done anything to you. They just tried to offer you an opportunity because that's the biggest thing with me. I would never take anybody on the road that I didn't think had any talent. And at that time when I first knew Adam and George, I thought they were both cool enough, 
they were newer, but I was like, you know, they're working on their stuff. They we can go on the road. It's not a big deal. You know, I wasn't thinking that they weren't funny or now I don't really think Adam's funny just because, you know, like he does the same stuff over and over and it's all pretty basic if you listen to it. There's no thinking involved with any of it. It's just like he's the guy that cups his hand over his mouth like he's going to cough or laugh all the time and thinks that that makes things funny. And it's I'm I'm just not down with it. Just on a comedic level, I'm not down with it. You know, when you're newer, when it's two years ago and I think you're new, then that's one thing. But when it's two years later and you're still doing the same kind of stuff for me, it's not really anything to think about. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I don't even know why you have opinions on what anybody's doing outside of what you need to work on. For me, that's where it doesn't make sense. But like I said, I realized that the consequences, not only the small business aspect, not only the affecting another person of color aspect, but also just in general what that could do to the scene I didn't want to have that on my conscience and I didn't want the karma that went with that. So I just went ahead and decided to drop that. But the person that I was addressing last week in my post, I, I ended up talking to them through text, the one that I referred to as the leader, the person that tries to be a leader. And I will keep that somewhat confidential because I feel like it, that was the spirit that the conversation was held in. Uh, so I won't go too far into that. But I just will say that, you know, there was a point where because, you know, what happened was with all this stuff that's coming up, Adam decided to say something. He was working with the guy that I refer to as the leader or the guy that tries to be the leader who he says he's not trying to be a leader. So I'm going to take him at his word. But, you know, th there was this stuff happening where Adam decided to try to throw me under the bus in a public way and then the leader commented on it and then I had also heard like shortly after this because I was going to leave that alone but then I heard shortly after it that the leader was talking about Jack Slammy which if you don't know Jack Slammy he's the one that really runs Chanclas and he's the one in introduced me there and I am very protective of Jack Slammy not only because he's a good guy but also when everybody else was afraid to do comedy he was trying his best to make sure that he had a place for us and that's how Chanclas became such a home for me was during the shutdown as soon as we were allowed to do anything they just right away let us start, start having shows again and so that's why you guys saw me performing on different things was a lot of that was because of Jack Slammy. And I think that overall what Jack Slammy does for not only the comedy scene here in Las Vegas, but people of color in comedy. He's, you know, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. He's had a gay Mexican, two black men headline, one black woman and a little person. If that's not diversity, I don't know what is, you know, and nobody else nothing against anybody but nobody else on this scene is giving people of color chances to headline like that jack takes chances and i really respect and appreciate and love jack he's an actual friend to me when the shutdown was happening we leaned on each other a little bit and we went out and did some stuff together because the rest of the world was shut down and he's single and i'm single and it was like all right well let's you know Maybe go out and have a drink one of the places it's open or, you know, we became close over the shutdown, especially before that we were cool. We were very cool, but we became close over the shutdown. So when I hear you're talking about him and the leader has said, just so everybody knows, he has said that he has not said anything bad about Jack Slammy, which is contrary to things I've heard. Um, because I ended up hearing from a couple reliable sources, which I addressed with him, that, and that's the reason I got upset, was because it was people that I actually trust not to just be telling stories. And I'm going to, like I said, take him at his word. That doesn't mean I think the people that were telling me were lying at all. I'm just willing to say, all right, let's just drop it, which is pretty well where we left it between the two of us was just to go ahead and drop it. But 
he says that he wasn't talking about Jack and he says he doesn't talk about anybody. But I personally have heard him talk about another friend of mine. And when it comes to that particular friend, I understand that different people have different relationships with other people. And that's something I 100% get. But when it comes to you, because of your personal experiences with somebody, deciding that nobody should work with that person and trying to make it harder for that person to book people or for people to get booked by that person, that's where it becomes a problem. Because like I said, everything I've said about Adam Dominguez is true and I've kept it to myself for the most part for the last two years. And that's because I really did feel like my voice is louder than his. So I didn't even after he did his podcast about me, I technically went on the same podcast like a week later and we talked about the whole situation and the way it went down. I want to say it was like two hours that we recorded. And then I asked the person that runs the podcast, Freddie Korea is his name. Thanks for the invite is the name of the podcast. I just did it again not too long ago. That time I did it like two or three weeks ago, if you listen to that episode, that was like a makeup for the one that we did back then where we recorded for over two hours. I know that. And then I asked him not to post it. And because we're good friends, he didn't post it. So I've been aware of that. There was a point where Adam, you know, sent me a response to something I posted on Instagram. And it was like a like emoji or something like that. And I forgot he was on my Instagram. And I was very clear with him like, no, the don't react to my shit. I don't even know why you're still here. I don't know why you're on my Instagram or why we're still friends on Instagram because after you talk about somebody, like I'm not like that with people. If I don't like somebody, one, I don't talk about them. And two, I wouldn't talk about them and then expect to pretend to be friends afterward. Like I want no part of that. I already know what kind of person you are. I've seen the real you. And I've seen that by the things you said, your intention was to at least slander me a little bit. And I don't want to be a person that is prone to trying to slander others, especially if the other is me. So at that point, I feel like, all right, I don't really know how you think I'm supposed to respond to this, but that's not the way this is going to work out. And we had a back and forth back then. And I, I just laid it out for him again. And it's like he's thick in the head and doesn't get that. Like I said, sometimes it's okay to just accept that you messed up. Like, just leave it alone. Stop trying to make it seem like in some way you're being victimized. You're not being victimized. And drama would have been if I had posted those interactions that we had on social media and been like, this person is hitting me up. I didn't do that at all. I handled that situation between the two of us. I was on the road. I messaged with him back and forth, and then I let it go. I didn't make a big situation of it, even that time. So then another time, he's trying to talk to me at South Point and basically apologize to me, and I'm not really feeling the apology because he's not really apologizing. He's instead trying to justify the behavior and telling me why he did what he did, and people don't get when that happens. I don't care why you did what you did. Just stay away from me just let's not be friends but I half-assed took his apology I was like okay whatever I was trying to be the bigger person and just be like all right cool and then he starts talking about me again a while later and I'm like I don't understand that thinking like I don't know where these people were raised that this is the way that they think you deal with other people. Like the way it works for me is if I don't get along with you, we're not cool, then I just stop talking to you and that should be the end of it. You don't bug me. I don't bug you. We stay on our own sides of the world. So then the other day when I called him out because, you know, if the leader is acting like Mr. Professional over there and I don't want drama, well, don't mention me in any way, publicly, privately, if you ever have anything you want to ask me, you ever have anything you want to say to me, just hit me up one-on-one. -on -one. You have my number. I know he has my number because we had texted before. Technically, he's booked me for a couple of things before. It's, I don't work with him all the time or work for him all the time and didn't work for him all the time. But it's my number hasn't changed and he has my number. So it's not a situation where he didn't have a way of getting hold of me before talking about me. So there's that. And then there's the fact that um, I don't really know why you would 
publicly make it seem like you have a problem with me when I had said nothing about you or anything about your shows or anything like that. You know, I hadn't even alluded to him before last week when I brought him up. And that was just because it's like, all right, now I'm getting kind of tired of the way this whole situation is going down because I haven't done anything to you. Really, I haven't done anything to your friends either. And I'm being painted a particular way. And I know that's because people like to pile on and they want to feel popular. And if other people are mad at me and they think that they're going to get some, you know, emotion or uh, some points from their peers for possibly joining in the dog pile then maybe that's what they feel like doing I I don't know what the thinking is for me I really don't get it because I'm not into group think like that I like who I like I don't like who I don't like and I don't ask other people to go along like when it comes to you know I was mentioning the guy the other booker that the leader has talked about different people can have their situations with that particular person but then when it comes to me and that particular booker, there was a point where after the shutdown, you know, well, after the shutdown started, you know, back closer to last April, um, when we were really shut down mode, I was booked for that, booked with that guy. And he hit me up out of nowhere. I didn't even think to hit him up because everything's canceled. And I knew I was booked with him, but it wasn't going to happen, obviously, because we're in a shutdown and nobody has any say over that. You know, that was by the government mandate. And so it was OK. Then there, we can't do anything. He hit me up out of nowhere and was like, hey, I know you guys really count on this money when you guys are supposed to work. So even though we're not going to be able to have the show, would you like me to pay you now? And then once we reopen then you can make up the gig and then you know well it'll just be a wash at that point and that was a very helpful offer so I said yes and that's not something every booker would do and that's not something every booker did and that's not something every booker can afford to do so I don't blame them if they couldn't but for me when I've seen somebody show that kind of behavior like yeah maybe you dealt with him at a different point in his development but that doesn't mean that he should be persona non grata to everybody now just because you and him had whatever run and you had back however many years ago you had it. Like when it comes to Adam, even though I particularly don't like him, I wouldn't go out of my way to tell people why they shouldn't book him or step in his way if I heard he was going to get booked. And that's the way I feel like the leader should behave with this Booker, when it comes to tricks, I've told the two comics that I hang out with probably the most on the, you know, local comic level, and that would be Anthony Victorson and Claire Hawley, who are the co-host of the Tolerate This podcast that you can see on YouTube. I've told them, and they're the people that I talk the most, that if they uh, decided to work for tricks, that that's not something I would hold against them, because... You know, I have my feelings against tricks, but I'm not going to stop my friends from growing if they have an opportunity to get more work. So, you know, if I feel that way, then I don't really feel like a lot of people should be holding grudges. You know, I feel like people should be more willing to forgive because and maybe not forgive. That's not the the probably the right word that I'm trying to use you know because forgive I guess is a, is asking somebody for a lot so I can agree maybe not forgive but at least to have a live and let live attitude and just kind of let bygones be go bygones because right now is such a for me it's a very fertile time here in Las Vegas because a lot of stuff is coming back and we're going to see what goes what way but at the same time there's going to be a lot of opportunity coming up so we can all fight each other and we can be worried about things that don't matter or we can work together as good as we possibly can or we can ignore each other as much as we possibly can so that we can all just build what we have to build and mind our own business. That's really what it comes down to when it comes to Adam, when it comes to the leader when it comes to any of these and I know he doesn't want to be called the leader or he says he's not a leader and I'm not saying that to be antagonistic in any way it's just I'm trying not to put his name out there just because you know I I'm trying to respect that we pretty much as far as I go we called it a truce over text message earlier tonight 
and we'll talk when we see each other, but I don't feel like there's anything pressing that we need to talk about right away. But I feel like in the spirit of respecting the fact that we're at a truce rather than mentioning his name and making it seem like I'm trying to throw him under the bus, because I'm really not. I really do think that he's important and I think he and he provides opportunities for comedians, especially open mic comedians, because he runs shows that are part show and part open mic in a lot of cases. And like I said, I've worked for him before, so I'm really not trying to hurt him or what he's doing because I really do think that he is important. But don't start getting in the way of other people because we really should be at the very least ignoring each other. If we can't get along, if we can't be cool, then let's at the very least let each other do our thing. Because I really want to grow. That's what I want. I want things to get better and I want everything to elevate. I'm not at all worried about anybody in the way of when it comes to competition in any particular way. Not only am I not worried about competition, I'm creating the competition. Because for me, the best thing that I could possibly have are people around me that are doing well. People around me that are funny. People that inspire me. People push that push me to work even if their only way of pushing me to work is by watching what it is they're doing. I mean, you watch people and you get inspired and then that makes you want to work harder because you see how hard everybody around you is working. And that's what I want. And that's what my I want my influence to be in return to these people is to show them like, you know, because they see me and they're like, well, he's been around for a while and he still shows up at the open mics and he's still working on new material and I'll still pull people aside and tell them things I think that might help their performance or might help their jokes or places that I think like, you know, just as far as the technical, if you're not holding the mic in the right position or you're not thinking about mic positioning or the stuff that I can help out with because I really do love what I do. Stand up is my favorite thing in the world and has been for most of my life, even at points when I didn't really have a chance to pay attention to it because I was doing other things. You know, it's always been an important part of my life. So when it comes to that, I really would like to see the people around me grow. I would like to see everybody do better. And I would like to see people accomplish a lot of what it is they want to accomplish on the scene. And if I can help people get on the road in different situations, sometimes I threaten, like, I'll never work with anybody new again. And then, you know, I end up meeting somebody that I'm like, it's like falling in love. You know what I mean? Like you tell yourself sometimes after a heartbreak, I'll never love again. I'll never. And then next thing you know, you're in love and you're like, oh, we're dating. We're checking out how it goes. Same with comedy. You know, you get like, I'll never help anybody again. And then you see somebody and you get inspired and you're like, well, they're working hard and I'm going to go ahead and see if I could maybe help them grow a little bit and then we'll work our way from there. So for me, like... I don't see a reason for a lot of hard feelings and I'm not going to hold on to those. I've decided that I'm not going to let other people be in charge of that. And that's the real lesson in this because like I said, there was a point where I felt like burning everything down and now I've decided that rather than burn everything down, I'm going to elevate everything that's immediately around me. So at the very least, anything that decides to stay down there stays down there and we elevate. That's what I'm going to do instead of the, you know, the opposite. Um, which would be to feed into the negativity because there's got to come a point whether anybody wants to allow it or not where I just have to get out and do what it is I'm supposed to do and not worry about any of this petty arguing and fighting and the people that say I'm dramatic can continue to talk about me while I haven't said anything about them until I absolutely had to like with this I really didn't even want to talk about this now like it just wasn't what my focus was going to be for if you heard the couple episodes before I did this I was talking about um Florence Scovel Shin and I was talking about Sad Guru and I was talking about the different lessons and how I definitely was starting to feel like I was I mentioned on one episode that I felt like I had reached unbothered, like I really was unbothered. And then these situations happened. And where I will take responsibility in every time that these happen is that I have jumped in with the negativity because there is a part of me that still knows that when it comes down to actual toxicity, 
it's one of my talents. <laughs> and so I, I'm going to still continue to get better about that, but I'm not going to pretend I'm completely healed. And I'm not going to pretend that that's not something that I'm constantly having to work on because obviously it is. And every once in a while, I feel like let's just go balls to the wall and see what it looks like to completely, completely ruin somebody's life. And then I get like, you know what? That's not what you want to do. And that's not what your real personality or where your heart is because it just hasn't been like one day we can talk a little bit more about that but the core of me really likes to see people get ahead and likes to watch things grow and that's why I'm always trying to help things grow and that's why I'm big on the player position mentality when I say that people should play their positions that's me included like I like to play my position so if I can help somebody get somewhere then I feel like that's my position. If I can help one of the headliners that I work with, you know, get even further or sell more merch or whatever it is I can do to help is what I do. I'm not a person that's all about me all the time, even though some people have this picture of me, but nobody that knows me really has that picture. So I guess what I'm saying is no matter what happens around me, I'm just going to work on being more Zen and not giving into it. So if that doesn't excite you for the next couple episodes, then I don't mind you dropping off. I am still going to release the episode where I talk about what happened with Jimmy Kimmel's sister. But that's because that episode has been recorded for, what, three weeks now? I just need to edit because half of it's on one uh, recording and then half of it's on another because I had started to talk about it in the tricks episode but that episode was going to end up being two hours and I was like nobody wants to hear this voice for two hours especially not me so you know I'm just gonna let things progress however they progress I've got an interview coming up that I think people are going to be very interested in some people are going to be upset but it is what it is I'm going to release that probably by Friday. I might make it next Wednesdays, but I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But let me know what you think down below in the comments. I know I didn't mention it sooner, but I'm going to mention it now. Carla's Homemade Salsa. If you get a chance, hit her up. There'll be the link. Carla's Homemade Salsa is an official sponsor and we'll be getting mentions closer to the beginning of the podcast from here on out. Sorry, Carla. This time I just mentioned it at the end because... You know, I had gotten wrapped up in talking about everything else. My heart truly do does go up to my friends that right now are dealing with their losses. And I know a lot of people are dealing with a lot of losses. So my heart goes out to all of you. Please take care of yourselves and please, whatever you do, stay unbothered.